0: Greetings, and welcome to another episode of the Without the Dice podcast. First and foremost, on behalf of myself, Jarrett Chaney, and my partner, Royal Miller, we'd like to thank everyone for your continued support and hope we can continue to grow our community together. Today's story was actually one of my first ones. I wrote it with the hopes of creating an animated adventure. I decided to share it with the hopes that you'll see its potential as well. It's entitled Tales of Rogart Patchwork. Following a rat who must find his way to a better tomorrow, despite the despair of war and grief that led to the downfall of his mischief. Quickly, all servants to the main chamber. Rogart, you head to the kitchen and prepare as many rations as possible. The gnarled voice of Ratsom, the quartermaster of the servants to the royal family, cut through the air with fear tracing in his voice. Uh, Understood, Ratsom. Rogart croaked, barely able to will his body awake. He was a proud grey, a half foot under six feet. Much of his life had been spent serving the royal family, falling behind the many generations of the patchwork name before him. He was the first, however, to fall only into a servant's position, instead of the esteemed royal guard. He wasn't overly embarrassed by it, especially given that turmoil had been unfolding with the human settlement since he was a pup. Of course, the people of Mischief always seemed to be at war with themselves in some way or another. He counted himself lucky to have been taken in as a servant after the fall of Rugarius, the previous king. His father's head had been placed in front of the castle gates along with many brave souls who fought. It was simply a matter of circumstance for his people. The rat folk of the land rarely saw the old age of thirty, be it through the impoverished lands or the constant conflict and scheming that often took place amongst the many denizens. Life was short, and every minute of it had to count for something. The sounds of war grew closer, and Rogart looking back at Radsom understood the urgency in the old rat's voice. He quickly made his way to the kitchen, where many of the finest meats and produce of the kingdom permeated the air. The sound with smacking lips and gnawing teeth broke the euphoria. "'Who's in there?' he demanded. A small gray stood up out of the corner, his dirty gray fur an affront to the fine intricacies of the royal kitchen. "'You shouldn't be in here. How did you get in?' Rogart said while wagging a finger in disapproval at the boy. "'I, I escaped from sc- scars as the human sacked it,' the boy said, choking back tears that had begun to fill his eyes. P- "'Please don't kick me out. I'm, I'm sorry I snuck in. Really, I am. I, I just wanted to eat something. I, I tried to find work in the inner city, but with the humans attacking, nobody would even consider a gray orphan like me.'" The Fletchling's voice began to overflow, burying it in his hands. Ashamed, he continued, "'Please, just give me a chance.'" Rogart stared at the pup a moment. "'Geez, kid, don't you know this is the royal estate?' There are plenty of other places you could have broken into." His expression softened, remembering when he had nowhere to turn after Rogarius had been killed. "'I know what it feels like to starve. I suppose I'll just have to take you under my wing. From here on, you're going to be a trainee for the Royal Servant Clan. Wash yourself in the sink there and check the cabinet in the room adjacent for some clothes." The boy's face suddenly had an expression of hope on it. After that. Help me pack up this food. We need to get to the Grand Hall as soon as possible. Rogart and the pup hastened to pack and managed to lug the sack of rations to the Grand Hall. Suddenly, the sounds of trebuchets snapping were heard, and the once somber halls of Mischief's Oblaria Castle shook vigorously. They're here, Rogart said, a lump forming in his throat. The humans were launching their final assault on the ratfolk's main keep. They had attacked relentlessly the last few weeks, and had finally broken through the Claw clan's barrier formation. Some twenty servants rushed into the Grand Hall, joining a slew of others, mostly nobles, where the royal family reside in the uppermost part of the chamber. Miska, the youngest of the royal children, wept in her mother's arms, her white fur standing erect. As seen, the queen cooed sweetly to her, while the king scowled, sitting beside them, flanked by three of his strongest sons-at-arms. Silence! The King's voice erupted and the room grew eerie silent despite the tremors of boulders smashing against its foundation. Each of you were lucky enough to have made it to my estate or to have been in my service. The Elders of our society met their downfall at human hands and now our darkest day stands before us. Whimpers could be heard amongst the crowd at the news of the Elders' demise. Rest assured, I, Clan Patriarch Leonis, will help rebuild and create a new home for us to thrive. His brilliant white fur seemed radiant in his confidence, and the despair choking the air seemed to lift for many. We will escape through the Royal Contingency Tunnel. Follow a lo- A loud crack formed in the ceiling as large pieces of rock showered the crowd below. Total panic had erupted as ratfolk scattered in an attempt to evade the crushing end. Quickly, follow me! The King Bellow grabbing the hand of his wife and pulling hastily in the direction of the back of the chamber. Essene pulled her hand away and scooped up Miska and ran quickly behind him. "'Quickly, boy, this way!' Rogart shouted, pulling his young protege towards the wall, where the pillars held the ceiling fast. Carnage ensued. A spray of blood coated the both of them as an elderly rat was crushed beside them in her attempt to escape the falling debris. Rogart squinted through the pain and desperately kept pulling the pup's hand along with the heavy sack of rations. One of the pillars started to give way, and the column fell at an alarming pace towards them. Rogart made a split decision and shoved the boy rearward as hard as he could while doing his best to dodge out of the way himself. The column crashed in front of them, and a cry was heard behind him. Another boulder had fell, and it caught the pup. Hold on, kid. Rogart turned to assess the situation. The rock lay on top of his left foot, just over some of the toes. Rogart drew a small knife and placed his arm into the pup's mouth. He used the other to sever the part of the foot that had been caught. The pup bit down hard as the pain overtook him and passed out within a second. Rogart felt sick at the ease of which the flesh separated. Had the situation not been so dire, he would have surely hurled the bit of cheese he took for himself before they had left the kitchen. He realized the rations were gone beneath the rubble, and that they surely weren't worth their lives. Rogart took the boy, slung him over his back, and made a last-ditch effort run for the back of the chamber. Only the muffled screams of the others fleeing and his own heartbeat filled his head. The burning sensation in his lungs began to dull as his vision grew dark. He could see the tunnel with one of the royal sons just at the mouth. There was a bright flash from the prince's paws and suddenly they were just behind him. Rugart's vision finally failed him. When next he awoke, he was propped against the wall, the pup beside him. Finally awake, are you, servant? Good. Get up and fetch me some water, a cruel tone commanded. It was Bartholomew's. A well-known noble of the inner city, most notably so for his particularly cruel way of dealing with the growing homeless problem of the district. Rogart placed a hand on his head. The pain was almost unbearable. I won't tell you again, servant. Serve your betters. Rogart did his best to stand, but found himself collapsed back against the wall, his world spinning. Bartholomew stood on his fat haunches and waddled his way towards Rogart. He took his cane and jabbed it endearingly into his ribs, inciting a scream of agony. The cane continued to jab into him until he began to spit up blood. The assault stopped as a fresh spray of blood found its way onto his face. To think this fool would still be so intolerant, given that most of our people have been wiped out, a white-furred warrior, now coated red, said, sheathing his scimitar. My prince, this servant thanks you for your undeserved kindness. Rogart's head bowed, blood still coming up with every word he spoke. calm, Rogart. Take this. It is a guarded secret of the Plague Clan reserved only for our mightiest warriors. The prince grasped a bottle of crimson liquid attached to his belt and began pouring it into Rogart's lips. Now rest. And again, Rogart lost consciousness. His eyes opened to a searing pain in his midsection, where he saw a familiar gray pup. Thank you. Thank you for saving my life. Over and over again he was saying it, squeezing ever tighter while doing so. You're welcome, but please let go of me, Rogart said through gritted teeth. The boy looked up at his face, filled with relief and the tears soaking his fur as he began to dry. He began squeezing Rogart anew, a smile plastered on his face. He finally let go and Rogart breathed a sigh of relief. Burkhal, come. We need more help passing out provisions. The pup stood up. I'll be right there, he yelled. You should eat some of the meat in the satchel, Burkhall said, pointing to the light brown sack that lay beside Rogard's foot. The princes are quite amazing, aren't they? Finding game even in a place like this. Burkhall headed towards the direction at the mouth of a small opening. So, Burkhall, eh? Fine name for a young lad. Glad to see he already found a place helping out. Rogard had thought to himself. Now, to figure out where the hell I am. He scratched behind his ear. The place he found himself was quite cramped. There were a few other folks residing here, each of them in rough shape. There stood one black rat in a bright white coat, her features sharp, and her ear pressed to the chest of another who had just walked in. Everything seems okay physically, but you'll need to do your best to manage your mental facilities. I know it's difficult given the situation, but promise you'll do your best for me, all right, Kai? A warm smile passed over her face. And don't be afraid to come back if you feel the need to talk. Her eyes glowed with compassion, and she took Kai by the shoulder and led him back to the entrance. She then stepped over to a quite pregnant rat in the corner adjacent to Rogart. Jeez, this place is too much for me. Rogart thought aloud and creeped to his feet and started limping towards the entrance. Ugh! A pair of hands found his tail and pulled hard. What's wrong with... He stopped himself after beholding his assailant. It was none other than a white-furred pup, the Lady Miska. You're not going anywhere until Miss Tell gives you the okay, Miska commanded. Rogart quickly got his bearings and did his best to genuflect in front of the royal. "Uh, Forgive my rash behavior, he said, and he made his way back to the corner he had been set in. Where the hell did she come from, he thought to himself, scanning the room. How could he have missed a royal? Miska ran back to the side of a couple in the corner and started bandaging a lady's foot. Was she here helping the injured? A gnarled-looking elderly rat made his way through the entrance. It was Radsom, the servant master Rogart knew all too well. Tell. The clan patriarch says we'll be moving out to Sorrel soon. Are most of the injured in moving condition, he said plainly. Sorrel was the sister stronghold to mischief. We've only been camped for three days, Tell's face flushed with a passionate rage. Does he really think the few hundred of us that made it have any semblance of a chance of getting there in our condition? Rogart didn't remember seeing that many rat folk gathered, and most of them were probably crushed. Guess that explains how the mass of pregnant Grey and so many Ories made it. No way they'd outrun those boulders, he thought to himself. His Majesty provided a notion that those that couldn't walk could be pulled on a cart until able to do so. Ratsom continued, a little contempt now crept over his voice, and I assure you he has every notion of compassion within him for our people. With this, Ratsom adjusted his spectacles and turned around back out the entrance. Passing just shy of him, Burkhall came through holding three large sacks. "'They give us extra meat, Misristel,' he said enthusiastically, forcing his hand forward, sacks weighing down his arms. "'Thank you, dear. Set them next to that cupboard for me, would you?' She sat down in a chair, appearing a bit enervated from the encounter earlier. Miska walked to her side, a glass pitcher and a cup of water in her hand. "'Here, drink some of this,' she said, a look of concern on her face. "'Ratsom has always been a very passionate and loyal rat to our family,' We're lucky to have him, although sometimes he does come off a bit callous and abrasive. She set the pitcher down after pouring a glass diligently and took Tell's hand. We should continue to do our best for everyone. A look of great resolve passing over her features. Tell gave a sigh of relief. Thanks, Lady Miska. She stood and made her way towards Rogart and Burkhal. I see you're awake now. Burkhal has been by your side diligently these last few days she said with a hint of longing in her voice. I was surprised when he said he didn't know your name, yet clung to you as if you were everything to him. Her eyes glistened a bit. You have a fine young friend. Burkha leapt to his feet, pulled a rag out of his jacket and quickly dabbed her eye. You shouldn't cry for our sake, Tell. We're not worth the tears, Rogart stood up. I should help out, he said a bit of embarrassment in his voice. Why don't you show me around, Berkel? And with that, the two of them headed to the exit. As they approached the mouth, they began to see daylight. Rogart's hand instinctually went over his eyes. It had been quite a while since last he'd been outside. Most folks kept to the city unless their occupation allowed them the privilege to head topside. There were viewing areas in the side of the canyon where Mischief was situated, but these spots were only his leisure on occasion. The outside was nothing as Rogart had imagined it. They were somewhere in Forestland. A large ragtag campsite had been set beside the mouth of the cave where the wounded were placed. That's where the king is, Burkhal said, pointing to the tent at the center of the large encampment. A host of children were running beside the tent, seemingly careless of the situation at hand. Rats sat at a table playing cards, and many were also gathered by a small fire cooking some of the meat the princes had brought back. My name is Rogart. I'm a bit ashamed to have realized we never introduced ourselves. Burkhall stared up at him. Don't worry about it, a reassuring smile manifesting. I can't believe I'm in service of the royal family. Lowly gray dream of the opportunity. Rogart gave a puzzled look. You do understand we are refugees now, right, kid? Burkhall looked him in the eyes. It doesn't matter because I'm not alone anymore. Burkall, now beaming at him, lunged and latched onto him, sending a shooting pain into his ribs. Leonis, the clan patriarch, stepped outside of the tent, flanked by two muscular blacks. He surveyed the area, then beckoned to three elderly rats, accompanied by Radsom, and then re-entered. A short time passed, and Radsom re-emerged. I have an assignment for you, he said sharply. Spread the word that we will be leaving in the morning for Sorrel, and that everyone is to make ready... I will forgive your previous bundle with the rations, I asked you, given the unforeseen circumstances. And who is this beside you? Ratsom pointed a finger at Burkall. Well, he's a servant initiate, sir. Ratsom raised an eyebrow. I see. Well, then this will be your assignment as well, Mr. Burkall. Burkall, I see. Spread the word and meet me at the Patriarch's tent at sundown. Rogart straightened. Oh, get it done. Burkhall did his best to imitate Rogart. Me too. The two of them made a plan, each starting from either side of the encampment and telling any servants found to also spread the word. After a few hours, the sun fell behind the horizon and the two of them found themselves in front of the tent again. Radsom stepped out from behind the curtain. Come in, and mind your manners in the presence of the royal family. Radsom drew back the curtain and the three of them entered. My lord, the three of them genuflected. Burkhall stumbling in his unfamiliarity, receiving a stifled laugh from the Lady Miska, at which her brother gave her a light swat. "'Welcome,' Leonis began. "'I have summoned you here to tell you my plans for the Servant Corps under my service. Please, have a seat.' The king beckoned to an impressive set of chairs around a large table the family had been sitting at. "'I wonder when they had time to make this,' Rugard had thought to himself. Radsom has a lot of faith in you, and that says quite a bit about your character, in my opinion. So I'm entrusting you with the operations of helping the sick and injured during our movement to Sorel. Leona stood up and presented his hand. A large ring bore the crest of mischief, and Radsom reached over to kiss it. Rogart had always hated these formalities, but he reluctantly did the same. Burkhal seemed all too eager, and Rogart was surprised the child hadn't inhaled it in his fervor. I invite you to share a meal with us. Let us begin." At this, a group of greys brought in plate after plate of meats and cheeses. Where did they get this, Rogart wondered aloud in disbelief. Radsom quickly elbowed him, sending another pain coursing through his body. Our people are generous, Leonis said with a forgiving grin. Eat your fill, and on the morrow we move out. After stuffing themselves with the best food Rogart had ever tasted, the three of them moved to the tent set specifically for servants. We'll have a very early morning, said Radsom. I'll expect the two of you to give a brief and carry out the Patriarch's will. Radsom pulled off his spectacles and gestured to a stack of bedrolls in the corner. Grab a roll and be ready. Rogart couldn't have been happier to finally get some rest after setting the two of them up. He lay down. I... I need to use the bathroom, Burkhal said a few minutes later. Rogart sighed. "'Actually, I think I need to go myself.' The two of them made their way to the tree line just past the tents. "'You go behind that tree there,' Rogart said, pointing to a particularly large oak. After a few moments, Rogart heard a yell, quickly lifted his trousers and ran over to the other side of the tree where Burkhall sat pants down, pointing deeper into the forest. A figure darted in the other direction. "It, "'It was a human, Rogart!' The two of them quickly made their way to the main tent and spoke to the large guard stationed there. I see. We'll need to send out a hunting party. The large guard entered the tent and was greeted by yelling from the patriarch, who didn't appreciate being woken. After a moment, Leonis popped out in front and grabbed hold of Burkhal. You... are you sure, boy? You saw a human? Burkhal's eyes had fear in them. "'Yes, sire. I'm sure Rogard saw it, too,' and an affirmative nod was all it took. "'Quickly, gather more men and find him,' Leonis said to one of his escorts. "'At this, the shorter of the two darted off, and a few minutes later was accompanied by fifteen other rats. "'They made a ragtag formation, and a large black rat bearing a cloak and a large badge stepped to its head. "'Comb the area immediately. Bring back the perpetrator, preferably alive.' Dismissed. The formation broke and the rodents scattered in each direction. Neither Rogart or Burkhal were able to sleep with the adrenaline pumping through their veins. Were the humans coming to finish the job? Burkhal looked particularly shaken by the experience. After a very long hour, the rats began to return. One of them, a thin, lanky black rat, came back with a human woman dressed in black garbs, a curved dagger placed against the small of her back and rope binding her arms. We caught this one skulking nearby, sire. She was well hidden. Too bad she didn't realize our noses can smell right past camouflage magics. Got talk pretty good, though. A larger black rat behind him had a bandage around his midsection. Speaking of... Suddenly, another guard made a reckless lunge at the air next to the patriarch, and another man dressed in black appeared yelling at the top of his lungs. Rogar couldn't understand what he was saying. That explains the odd smell, said the patriarch. An elf working with the humans, I would gather. A frown crossed his face. Victorak, Torak. Bring him here immediately. A gray appeared, his fur patchy and mottled, and pieces of ears and fingers were missing. You called, my lord. He said in a very smooth fashion. Use your clan serum to get all the information you can out of these two, and then you will be permitted to do with them as you please. Torak stepped up to the woman and placed a hand under her chin and looked her up and down. A fine specimen. I'm elated with your gifts, my lord. Torak beckoned at the guards, and they escorted him out of sight. Who was that? Burkhal asked. Beats me, kid. But I recognize his markings a mile away. He must be with the Plague Clan. Our medicine and poison elites. We have no reports of any other unclaimed sense, lord, said the commander. I'll triple the guard as a precaution. You should try and rest. Leonis clutched his head. Right, I'll leave it to you then. And made his way back inside the tent. Rogart and Burkhal made their way back and lie awake in their rolls, hoping for sleep that never came. Rogart, Burkhal, wake the others and brief them for the journey. Ratsom said, interrupting the unending silence that hung over them. The two of them stood up and began shaking their fellows awake and lighting lanterns to illuminate the tents. Attention, everyone! We're to help the sick and injured make ready and assist in their journey to Sorel. Burkhaw had begun. Rogart was surprised to see the young pup's initiative. Radsom had a very pleased expression on his face. Who is this kid? A voice said amongst the crowd. He is one of our new initiates, said Radsom, and proving a lot more useful than you lot, may I add. Radsom gave a mischievous smile as the other servants quickly straightened up and found a new resolve to better themselves at the display of the youth. It was no small accomplishment to receive the praise from the old man. Rogart organized everyone into groups and sent them on their way to help each respective area. Rogart and Burkhall's group personally saw to the infirm assignment. A small wagon had been assembled for those who could not move readily, and some of the servants were assigned to pull it. Lady Tail had been hastily packing supplies when the signal to move out was heard. It was impressive how quickly everything had been deconstructed. Hop in the cocktail, Rogart said, and behind her he saw the Lady Miska, whom he genuflected as formality dictated. Burkhall insisted on helping pull the cart, and Rogart slung a large backpack laden with supplies over his shoulder. The caravan moved out on a trail headed for the sister clan. I wonder what happened to those two from last night. Who are you talking about? A middle-aged gray said furrowing an eyebrow while burdening his share of supplies. Uh, Sorry, no need to raise the alarm. I misspoke. Rogart knew talking about intruders would surely unsettle the already anxious ratfolk who had lost their home not but a few days ago. Well, I sure hope everyone is accepting, said the middle-aged man. Been thinking about it all night. Awful lot of rodents going to the city at once, Rogart sighed. I hope so, too. And with that, the journey went on. It took three days to reach Sorrel, and to many surprises, there weren't any ambushes or bandits in wait. Most folks surmise the humans would have anticipated this movement for any escape. Maybe they didn't think anyone survived. As they breached the ridge, they saw the open fields of crops leading to the town. Sorel was about the fifth the size of Mischief, and his community was mostly based around agriculture. It was widely accepted given its brilliant fields of gold, and was one of the few places and built outside where the rat folk thrived. The caravan pulled up and was greeted by the town's councils of elders, along with their respective patriarchs. "'Leonis, Patriarch of Mischief Homestead, we have heard word of your plight and welcome you to Sorrel.' An old white rodent reached out to shake the Patriarch's hand. "'You know the humans won't be pleased to have heard of your survival, Leonis,' said one of the elders. "'Don't be so rude,' shouted the old white Patriarch of Sorrel. "'I am well aware, Elder, and we did have some trouble with the scouts before leaving for Sorrel.' Then I'm sure you'll be willing to accept the consequences should the humans come to torch our town. Our fighting force is nothing compared to that of mischief, the elders said perturbed at the mention of the scouts. Leonis genuflected before the elders. Well, never mind that, the elders said flustered. Let's get everyone settled in. Have your people erect tents in that field over there, and we'll have our engineers erect buildings within a few weeks' time. Your family, of course, will stay in the manor estate. At this, they turned and headed in the direction of the large manor on the hill overlooking the rest of the town. Many faces peered from windows, and some of the locals brought food and other goods to the refugees. The Servant Corps were mostly assigned to help in any way possible to erect the barracks for the refugees. Brogard and Burkhall found themselves working tirelessly day to day, and eventually, in two weeks' time, there were three large complexes built of reasonable quality, especially given the haste of its construction. Life had begun to assume a type of normality, as many refugees seamlessly adapted to the new lifestyle and had begun working again. Winter was fast approaching. On a fair night, Rogart and Burkall found themselves on the roof of a tenement after a hard day's work in the field preparing for harvest. I never dreamed I would live outside like this, Burkhall said, staring dreamily into the night sky. My mom would read to me about the stars. She promised to take me to the observations one day to show me, but never had the chance. She worked herself to death, she did, all for us kids. Rogart looked over to him. So, you had siblings? He had said this not realizing the weight of the question until it had escaped his lips. I did. Three sisters and a brother, all of the same litter. Burkhall seemed unaffected to Rogart's relief. We would do everything together. One time Aggie stole my bread and I chased after her around the town. A smile crossed Burkhall's lips. She was a lot faster than me, and when she finally came home, I was so mad I wanted to punch her. But before I could get a word out, she stretched her arms out with a small Bushka rat dog cradled between them. He laughed. That Bushka was the best thing to happen to us kids. After a moment, Rogart stood up and grabbed Burkhall's hand. Look at it all. It ain't so bad, is it, kid? A smile spread to both of their faces, and they continued into the night. The next day was warm. A brilliant golden hue graced the crop signaling the time for harvest. The wind has a strange scent on it, Rogard thought to himself, and after a few hours, a large army bearing the Human Kingdom sigil was seen cresting the horizon. The guards quickly told everyone to go back to their homes, and the royals and elders made their way to the entrance with a brigade of guards. As the army advanced, an orc rode closer on a chestnut mount wielding a large hammer. He stopped twenty yards from the gathering. "'I'm here as an envoy for the king. He wishes diplomacy. No bloodshed,' a gruff voice pronounced. "'And we are ever willing,' the head elder said. With that, the orc turned and strode off. A few minutes later, the king arrived carried on a palanquin by six servants, escorted by a small platoon of heavily armored guards. He was a particularly obese individual, wreathed in jewels and dressed in golden attire. "'If you'd be so kind to show me to your estate,' he said, while gnawing on a mutton-chop voraciously. The army made camp just outside the gate, and the guards kept close watch over them, occasionally exchanging slurs between them. "'You should be honored I was willing to come out here personally,' the king began. "'Let's get straight to business. I mustn't miss my opera next week.' Leona scowled at the gall of this monster. he had had the nerve to order the slaughter of his people and then acts as if it wasn't of any particular interest to either party. First, we want the Clan Patriarch of Mischief, who I understand escaped to this very city. Second, we want half of your harvest for the season as recompense for harboring the enemy. And last, I understand some of my scouts have been taken prisoner. The king twisted his mustache, laden with grease from the mutton chop. "'We don't sell out our kine, nor do I intend to starve my people,' the elder said firmly. "'Your scouts are alive enough and will be returned to you.' "'I think you misunderstood the situation,' the orc said, pulling his hammer from his back. As he did so, all the guards in the room on both sides armed themselves, the air thick. No, now, Dokum. No need to make a scene. <sighs> The king raised his finger. We'll settle for just the royal family, then. The elder stood from his seat. We do not sell our people. At this, Leonis stepped forward. My head alone should be enough, if that will keep you savages at bay. I will allot you three days to settle your affairs, at which point your life is forfeit to me. The king raised his hand, and his chair was lifted out the door and back to his palanquin. "'Leonis, are you sure about this?' the old patriarch of Sorrel muttered. "'I don't think there's another way,' Leonis said, a look of grim resolve on his face. "'As long as my sons live on, I'm content.' News spread fast, and there was an extreme unrest amongst the population. The humans had been constructing gallows just outside the gate. "'Those cruel bastards,' Rogart started. "'They intend to strong-arm us and hang our patriarch right in front of the town.' Burkhal found himself in tears. I I don't want Lord Leonis to die. Rogart pulled the boy close and embraced him. None of us do. Three days quickly passed and tensions were without a doubt at breaking point. Leonis stood before the gate and was escorted up the steps to a platform built for him. Despite the guards' orders to the contrary, it appeared every ratfolk crowded the gate to support the patriarch who bravely accepted this condition to save the town. The human king painfully made his way up to the platform and addressed the town. His words hang heavy with the exertion of climbing the stairs. Let it be known that Patriarch Leonis is an honorable man, worthy of all of you that stand before us today. (laughs) It percutters me to take his life in front of you, uh, but my kingdom demands it at the loss of life we have experienced in this ongoing struggle between kingdoms. The king began to mutter, only audible to Leonis and the executioner before him. Leonis is honorable. Too bad I'm not. And he snapped his meaty fingers, and the rest of the royal family was brought onto the stage, each with a rope fastened around their necks and a gag shoved tightly into their mouths. You bastard! Leonis shouted as a scene and his three sons were brought just in front of him. A large man stepped forward with a great axe and cleaved the youngest brother in a brilliant arc. Leonis felt the tears welling in his face and an unbearable rage forming in his heart. We had an accord, you fat bastard! We had an accord! The king stepped over and removed the gag from Essene's mouth. Her screams were blood-curdling as the executioner made another swipe at the oldest son. The executioner then took the last son, and Essene, by the scruff of the neck, and walked them towards the edge of the platform, raising them high for all to see. First, he lifted the boy up with his massive arm and threw him some 25 feet to the ground, where he landed on the upturned pikes of the human formation, his blood splattering some of the guards just beyond it. Essene's screams had turned into an undecipherable sob and tears as she was led back and tied beside her husband. The crowd below was in an uproar, and the guards armed themselves and ran towards the wall of pikes. After a few of them had been killed, an order boomed from the commander to stop. "'We are beaten!' he continued, and the rage from all of them was palpable. The king waved his meaty hand again, and a lever was thrown where the platform suddenly opened. Leonis and Essene both struggled for a few moments until the soiled bodies swing lifeless above the ground. "'Now then,' the king bellowed. "'I'll be needing those scouts returned, if you'd kindly,' his face twisting upward. "'And you can have these back. They were all well used, I assure you.' A look of pleasure danced through his eyes. A small group of rodents were pushed forward and stripped down, mostly shaved to show their bare flesh, where it was apparent they had been toyed with in the most depraved ways. "'Take them to the infirmary,' the elder said. "'As to your scouts, then,' the elder smirked in a bit of triumph "'as the human woman and elf were brought naked on leashes to the front gate and set loose. "'As they ran forward on all fours in desperation to escape, the king shouted, "'Kill them! They are an eyesore of my kingdom!' "'And with that, the pikes lowered and stabbed the two. "'Let us be off now!' the men turned their back "'as the king lowered himself into his moving throne.' and they all marched into the distance, leaving the carcasses of the dead for the carry-on. The harvest season had turned from one of thankfulness to great remorse. Little Miska had thankfully been hidden away in the infirmary where she often went to help. She became the only beacon of hope for the rodents of mischief. Many had already taken to calling her the matriarch and my queen, despite her protests. The elders and king of Sorel agreed and bestowed the title officially before long. The little joy found, however, would be the last bit of celebration before the devastation of nature came forth. The winter bit to the bone, and the hastily made buildings did little to abate the cold, especially so for the people of mischief who were used to the controlled temperatures of the underground. Many grew sick and died, so much so that one of the buildings had to be condemned as a sickness spread throughout it. The medicinal herbs that could have mitigated the spread were in short supply, and the alternatives did little to cure the sickness. At least 150 rodents had succumbed between the entire settlement, and as a result, many blamed the refugees for bringing sickness to the land. Tensions were high, and a summit was held between Sorrel and Mischief. Queen Miska gathered all of the refugees in a field beside the tenements. "'We all still grieve the loss of our homeland!' "'We grieve the loss of my father, mother, and brothers. "'We grieve for the loss of our family members "'who perished in this harsh cold "'and the sickness it brought with it.' "'Her head went down as if in prayer for a moment, "'and the silence was deafening "'as many of the people bowed their heads as well. "'We have been gifted a large parcel of land "'on which we may rebuild our kingdom. "'I ask that each of you consider joining a clan.' We're learning a skill set before we depart in a year's time. It will not be easy, especially after the pain Sorrel surely blames us for. We are guests here, and mustn't impose longer than necessary. Join me in making our nation strong once more, and one day we may even take back mischief itself. The Queen's words were heartfelt, and influenced all present. I... I want to get stronger, I... I don't ever want to be so weak ever again. Burkhall's tears flowing freely, he said it in a reckless youth. Rogart pulled him in tight. Me too, kid. Me too. The tears finally breaking through. Each of them resolved to join a clan and become stronger. You decide. Now, dear listeners, it's time to learn a bit about the different clans present. Of course, the Most Votes decides it, so please feel free to create your very own. The Plague... The plague are alchemists that specialize in poisons and diseases. While most conduct vile experiments, they also create the best breakthroughs in rat culture medicine. Many of them bear horrible scars as a result of their experiments, however. The shadows. These are the hunters and assassins of the rat folk. These specialists master stealth and thief like practices. When information is sought or someone is to be killed, the council sends the shadows. The machine a rarer breed among specialists. They practice engineering and create marvels in the ratfolk world. The Claw. The main fighting force of the ratfolk. The claws are the soldiers of the rodent people. They are led by the bravest of warriors and are well trained in martial practices. The Tome. A gifted clan of wizards led by rats with inherited sorcery. They collect scrolls and arcane knowledge for the rat clan, Very few of them have been known to have stayed within the confines of the stronghold. The faithful, worshippers of the goddess Nim, The faithful generally study divine magics that are rumored to carry a very dark, well-kept secret of the ratfolk. Let's write a story. Let's play a game. Without the dice.